Welcome back to the CHH podcast where we interview women in Christian music all around the world. In today's episode, we are bringing you the best of the best from the last five episodes of this season. We've spoken to five amazing artists and in this episode, we bring you some of the must-see bits. Make sure to check out the full episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts on and on YouTube and make sure to share with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. kind of playing on the fact that you play gospel artists um a lot of people that sing in church and you know have a nice voice and maybe sing in the choir lead praise and worship then go on to be a gospel singer or gospel artist um mm-hmm. they just assume that that's the next the next progression in the whole mm-hmm. thing so whereas you've kind of like mentioned in your bio and just about yourself that you yeah. believe that you were called into it and so mm-hmm. you kind of want to just ask what are the signs that god gave you and you were called into this ministry Definitely. It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's always very good to be transparent and open about the journey. As you said, some people just think one plus one equals two and that's it. But there's definitely a journey. And I think it's so nice that each one of us, each worship leader, we all have a different story to tell. And that story will will resonate with someone somewhere. But I think for me specifically, I grew up in church. Um, you know, I've led the youth choir in church. And I think just being in roles like that definitely gave me skills. Um, it definitely helped me to understand how to um, to appreciate people, mm. to not take people for granted. Um, you know, <laughs> it taught me so much. And I think one main thing that I will say is, you know, in terms of service, like service is so important. Mm. And I think I've come to realize that um, when you when you've been given that opportunity to serve, and then you then go on the flip side, and people are serving you, mm. I mean, it will definitely put you in that humble spot, because you know how it is to be treated on the other side. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so yeah, my journey has gone through singing in church, leading choirs, as I've said, um, to being a backing vocalist for worship ministers. And again, I think it's just always that privilege of seeing how things have been done. So I would say mm-hmm. that was almost like a training ground for me. So it's like, I'm not just going to send you out there. And I'm just immediately reminded of David. You know, he had his training period, you know, before he could kill Goliath, you know, he was there um, in the field, you know, he could kill a lion, he could kill a bear. But yeah, definitely, I would say we should not um, forsake the training grounds. So that's what I would say. Amazing. And in that journey that you were going through it, did you ever have a point where you mentally noticed that this is, God telling me one day I'm going mm-hmm. to be doing this as a career mm-hmm. or as a mm-hmm. as um, a ministry to pursue. Did you ever have moments like that? Do you know what? Like from the age of ten, I knew, or even before, I knew that I loved singing so much. Like um, I always share this story that my mum bought me um, this creative box, and it had like colourful 
paper and you know I was really into arts and craft and all that and I remember specifically using those colored pieces of papers to like write songs um, and I've shared this on my Instagram as well um, and on my YouTube that you know I actually put together like a leaflet so to speak and on the front of it it said my dream and I actually like wrote down a list of songs what I want on my CD and that was from the age of 10 um, and I always say like we should never be shy of writing the vision and it's just so nice that even though I was young and I wrote it down I wasn't knowing that I was actually doing something do you know what I mean like almost speaking into my future so when I look back I'm like this has actually been since I was like really young and I think yesterday <laughs> <laughs> and literally on the journey I feel like God has spoken to me in different ways he's spoken to me through dreams um through just you know if I do go and minister I just see what what God does and and what takes place you know when the Holy Spirit is present and I'm like why wouldn't I want to walk on this path knowing that people are being blessed by it people's lives are being touched by this like this is a ministry mm. um so yeah I think definitely God has shown me in different ways that this is the path that he wants me to walk on because trust me there's there was there was a moment in time that I was like gospel music mainstream like which one should I do Do you think that churches play enough of a role in developing Christian music artists of tomorrow? Or is there more they could do? What like what would have helped you, do you think? I definitely think that they don't play enough of a role in that development. I feel like a lot of the times, not my church, but I have had a few people in my church that have left my church um that were like this, but um they think it's like a bad thing to do like they think it's like worldly and awful and like sinful and I don't really under like it's a job I'm not singing about like you know I sing about God most of the time like um I just feel like if if they had the mindset more like we're sending you out onto the mission fields mm -hmm. to go sing like and we're backing you to do that and they looked at it as more of like a mission because it is like I'm gonna have a platform that not a lot of them are gonna be able to have um a lot of artists are they're gonna be able to speak to people that would never step foot into a church but yeah. they would listen to someone's song and I feel like if they had more of that mindset it would definitely help um I feel like a lot of artists end up starting in church and then leaving church yeah. because of that and it's really sad honestly because clearly that's just people being stupid that's not god's fault like god's heart is for us to be doing that i definitely think the church should play a bigger role in helping grow like christian artists because like the world has so many of them like we need to take back the culture for real like we need to be out there and our voices be louder than all the garbage that people listen to on the radio honestly True, no and this might be a bit like spot on like a spotlight on you and you might be like whoa haven't thought about it but what are the practicalities of what the church can do because I think beyond forcing singers to like sing and lead worship <laughs> and trust me been there done that got the team mm -hmm. but um what else can they do how can they develop that talent and develop those people I feel like 
prayer and support goes a long way. Like, more than money, more than, like, oh, we're going to have a huge concert at our church that you're going to lead. Like, more than that stuff, which is just honestly, like, not necessary in my opinion, I think that the support of them being like, we believe in you and we believe that God has put this, like, gift on you, that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. Like, that will – like, that's why God says we need brothers and sisters in Christ to, like, encourage us. You can't just be alone, you know, all the time. Um, And prayer, like, prayer is so powerful. And we forget that so often. But um, I forget which preacher it was. But this one preacher – he would never go and preach without this guy who was praying. He would go in before, like a few hours before, and he would pr- he would have a bunch of people from the church come and pray with him for the – and that's what started a huge revival, mm-hmm. like 40, 60 – way more than 40 years ago. But, <laughs> but I always thought that that was so powerful because imagine, like – I've always had this image of if I ever – like when I start touring, mm-hmm. to be able to – go early to the venues and like pray over the arena because like there's so many lives that walk into the arena you don't know like what they've been through but just for the church to be able to do something like that you know like if I had well I have a lot of people backing me but like most artists they don't have like a church that would do that that would gather and like pray for like their ministry And even just speaking more about music, because obviously this is a music podcast. Um, <laughs> you guys are the first Brazilian-based um, group or artist that we have had on the podcast. Um, you sing a lot in Portuguese, obviously, because that's the national language, which is amazing, as well as some of the English songs. So I know, first of all, um, was in English, which I was like, okay, finally, I can actually understand what they're saying. <laughs> you know, so um, what was it like, like, just you know, being able to be bilingual on your songs. And do you specifically think that you target the Portuguese-speaking community, Christian community, or are you trying to get everyone in the world? Like, is your audience broad? We got to record that song, first of all. Um, And it it is not the first song in English that we wrote. We actually started writing songs in English from the very beginning you know, from the very song that we first song that we wrote, we were trying to write in English as well. We were learning English, and at the same time, we were trying to write something. Oh. The first drafts are weren't really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but um, as we got better with our English, the songs got a little better. I yeah. think. <laughs> and it's funny that there are songs in English that we can actually translate to Portuguese. Like we don't feel comfortable translating. So that's the downside. <laughs> we we tried to write the songs in Portuguese and English and they they just simply don't work. Yeah, sometimes it's going to be dependent on how the language sounds and translates and the phrase yeah. the language. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And we do translate a couple of songs for other people. We had some artists uh come to us uh and we re- translated their songs. But when it comes to our songs, that becomes yeah. a little bit harder yeah. for some reason it's weird but uh first of all we we wrote that song it was a really awesome project that we got the chance to be a part of and uh the song we sat one day to write with each other 
it just um, appeared. Yeah. It was really natural, like a really awesome uh, creative process that we got there. And the response from people was really awesome. We had friends from America that were trying to understand what we were singing in Portuguese. <laughs> and they said, finally, finally <laughs> song I understand and that I can sure. sing to. But as for the public, I think we always had like both people coming to us mm. to listen to our yeah, stuff. Since the beginning, even because like after we came back from America, Uh, the people that we met there were really involved with our music too. Mm -hmm. So um, we always got the support from both like international English speaking people and Brazilians. And the fun thing is that uh, the public here in Brazil that listens to this kind of style or independent music, they're very drawn to listen to American or uh, international music. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I don't know if it is because of the lack of bands here, or maybe uh, because the bands that exist here in Brazil aren't re really known, like they're mm -hmm. not in stream, they're not um, being shared enough, maybe. Okay. So, yeah, and most of the public from Brazil listens to uh, international music, so releasing music in English, we're also reaching the public from Brazil, which is mm -hmm. funny because we yeah. speak Portuguese. Usually uh, people here say, oh, there, are not, there aren't enough artists from Brazil, so we're going to search yeah. outside. Yeah, we, we, have, we have even been doing a work here in Brazil, kind of like um, helping other artists from mm -hmm. Brazil to Uh, feel encouraged to make music as well mm -hmm. because since you know we have uh, as I mentioned before we have this uh, you have to be under a label you have to record a, a specific type of music with a really good producer since we have all of that sometimes people here in Brazil don't feel really encouraged to mm -hmm. release music by their own or they feel like the quality of the music is not as good or uh They're not used to produce by themselves. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of like trying to uh, be and trying to, to encourage move, each encourage other. Encourage each other. Yeah. Here in Brazil. And, but the, the public for us, it's just like, it's, it's kind of. I wouldn't say it's 50 50, but yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Sure. It's funny, I did an interview, so this interview is like, it's gotten me so many other interviews. I'm like, really? Like, it was this guy from the UK who hit me up one day. We just chatted, and he did this write-up, and he got a lot of things wrong, but he got, like, some juicy stuff in there, you know? So people reach out to me, and they're like, we heard you were a Satanist, and I'm like, uh, well, I mean, listen... <laughs> If that's gonna help me get the gospel to you, we'll get we'll we'll make sure you get the gospel. Um but no. So I was gonna sell my soul for money. Um and I was gonna sign a deal with a major label through a distributor, um, slash quote unquote artist developer who was actually just a brainwasher, um, oh. handler, slash handler, um, who was, you know, in the business and is still in the business of just taking artists who have talent and Just, just brainwashing them so that they can be in line with the agenda. Um, 
that uh, that a lot of mainstream media has. And so, you know, it is it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's just the world we're in. Um, money is power. And so a lot of people with mm. a lot of money have a lot of power. And so that's it doesn't it doesn't need to be this kind of mystical like the you know there's so many conspiracy theories which is actually a, a term that was coined to kind of devalue the truth of those very theories that are very much true um mm-hmm. but yeah that's a, that's another podcast actually but but um <laughs> but yeah so i had the i had that encounter um and it was it was life changing it's actually the reason why i became a christian um Ooh. Yeah. So that was the reason why. So when I went into that space and I encountered the quote unquote pleasures of living on the other side or working for the other kingdom, because, you know, there's there are two kingdoms, a kingdom of light Mm. and a kingdom of darkness. And so they're literally like working simultaneously um, and parallel um, to one another. And so a lot of people they're not seeing like what's happening in the spirit. They're thinking it's just like, oh, I get up, I get ready, I go to work and I just, and it's just this kind of robotic, senseless, sheep-like deep state. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm dropping some code words. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, like once you wake up out of that slumber, you can see the both happening and working at once. And so for me, what snapped me out of of that deep state of sleep was, was just being in the room and having the deal in front of me. And, and and it sucks that I had to go all the way there. But then again, you know, being the, just the personality God gave me, just being kind of like the go-getter, like a little rebellious kind of just, I guess, courageous, I don't take no for an answer person mm-hmm. that I am. I actually made it to that room. And um, it was kind of cool, but also really scary uh, just to, just to see how evil um, is actually a thing. And there are people mm. who have given themselves over to it and are willingly working in collaboration with it. Um, that woke me up real quick. And I realized that the God that I was taught as a child was actually a real. Um, yeah. Because the way that my mind works is, well, if there's darkness, then there must be light. And so if there's evil, then there must be good. Like we mm-hmm. live in a dual, it's a dual world. There's a duality to the world. And so I, you know, I had been engaged into some like new agey stuff and and just an, a bunch of other kind of crystals and, and just like trying to find how to channel whatever I needed to channel to, <laughs> to get whatever I needed for myself, you know? And, and in that moment, it was like, it just all made sense. Like there's only one, door there's there's like there are a lot of walls but there's only one door and so one way yeah one way and so I had this this encounter and I said you know I was able to say no and kind of just miraculously was able to leave that space without being um without being harmed too much I was harmed uh more mentally and emotionally because of just the mind control aspect of it but not so much physically. Um, and then I just went back to my to my hotel and I was like, God, if you're real, like, I want to know who you are. And I also was like, yo, like, I'm going to die out here. Like, I'm by myself in L.A. I was in, in L.A. Um, doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I had flown across the country. And then I went back home 
um, right after that happened, it was like the next day my flight went back home and I remember arriving at the airport and my ex-girlfriend at the time, I was in a domestic partnership for a few years. She was like, something's wrong with you. She just knew like something had happened to me and Mm -hmm. just the look in my face and I was very out of it. And just, I mean, some of the things I saw in the room were very things I wouldn't even put on the record right now because they're just very... I'll tell you them when I visit you in the UK. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, but like just just things that were um, just just scary and like almost like you wonder if it was real what you saw. So I'm excited for this next question because it's basically why we do CHH. But as a woman who like you were saying, you are kind of known a lot in the CHH uh, Christian hip hop space, as well as some of the like pop related kind of stuff you've done. Because I was going through the like years of albums, and it's like, well, V has really done it all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, what's it like being in certain spaces that are very male dominated and hearing stuff like, oh, she raps good for a girl and stuff like that? Like, what's that like? Yeah. I don't really get offended by stuff like that. I guess because I grew up with boys. It's funny because I always tell this story. When I first put my first album out with Flame, it was like my first industry album, professionally produced and put out and all that. And um, I remember I was getting a lot of tweets from guys that would say like, man, I don't care what anybody says. I love V-Rose Music's album and I love her music. And I'm like, (laughs) why did they keep saying, I don't care what anybody says? Like a backwards compliment. I promise I did not even get it. And like my album cover is bright pink. That first album, it just like did not occur to me at all because I just, I never looked at myself like, well, I'm just a female artist, you know, Mm -hmm. and women don't do that. We don't look at ourselves like, well, I'm just a woman, you know, that's something that I feel like people project onto us, but I've never looked at myself that way. Like, well, I'm just a woman in a mill. Like, I just feel like I'm one of the people in this industry, you know? And so I view myself that way. Like I'm equal to you and you're equal to me. I don't look at you like, yeah, you're good for a male rapper. You're good for a male MC. Like imagine me saying that, that would feel so weird. And so I just never had that. um, I never had that stigma. And like, I also experienced men come along and really help me. So, So Flame signed me and was, you know, literally changed my life, just putting me on surrender And all of a sudden, like so many people were like, who is V Rose? You know, and I was just from this small town, Sacramento. Um, So, you know, I experienced a lot of help in that in that way. Um, It is a male dominated industry. But I know that as like women, as we begin to just continue to like remind ourselves, like we don't have to carry that. I'm just a female artist thing, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't have to own that. I don't have to take that. I don't have to mention that. I don't have to even think about that like you see that starting to happen and women are like really stepping up. Like you see Wande just coming out and like working so much, so hard and just like putting out content and just like living your best life. You know, like I'm not worried about what people may think or say, Mm -hmm. I'm just being me. I'm just being who God called me to be and just doing that. Um, And like, that's literally what my mindset has always been. And so I just always was like, well, Eventually, I saw it change from I don't care what anybody says, you know, because coming out as a new artist is hard. You get a lot of people who will hate on you because 
that maybe they're intimidated or maybe they they don't respect you yet because you haven't you don't have any uh you don't have any weight under your belt you know whatever and like then as i started to release more and more albums i really started to see the respect change and people stopped saying stuff like that and it sucks that it's like that way but it is what it is you can't let it stop you you know you just have to keep going Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, make sure to leave a like rating wherever you're listening to this and to follow us on Instagram at shehhpodcast.